0: Welcome everybody, the Church of God, the Bride of Christ, brothers and sisters,
1: can we all stand get ready for worship please? Uh, Thank you Jimmy, good evening everybody, are we ready to praise the Lord tonight? Amen. First and foremost, we need to thank uh, our uh, sister Ruth for creating and, and bringing us such a great meal tonight. Wasn't that wonderful? Oh, it's good to celebrate with your family, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, welcome also to all the visitors, new faces I see tonight and faces I haven't seen in a while. Lord, praise God. Uh, thank you for coming. You're welcome here. Please come back. And those that have been here many times, you are also welcome here. You need to come back as well. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to read some verses, then we'll uh, pray and get in some praise and worship. It says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Amen? Amen. 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 We're going to have our brother Blake pray us in and then we'll get some praise and worship. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, wonderful day you've given us. Thank you for this wonderful time you've given us to come together and lift up your name and praise you and sing worship to you, Lord God. Father, lift up the worship, lift up the prayer and the service as well, Lord, It'll all go according to your plan. Again, I thank you so much for everything that you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Uh, In the spirit of uh, Mexican Independence Day...
1: And in the and in the spirit of
0: God, freeing us from our own Egypt. Amen. We're gonna do a couple of songs about freedom tonight.
1: We're gonna to do a song um, that's kind of in the Jesus perspective, uh, a call, an invitation. And then we're gonna do a song
0: that kind of answers that invitation. But right now we're gonna do a song called "Grande y Fuerte." Yeah. It's Great and Mighty God. Wee! Amen. Yeah. Nuestro Dios, grande y fuerte, es nuestro Dios. I say, Great and Mighty God. Great and mighty is our God Great and mighty
2: is our God
0: God praise tonight.
3: too late, it's not too late, it's not too late. Let me in. Open up your heart. Let me in. Open up your heart. Let me in. Open up your heart, let me in. Open up your heart, let me in. Open up your heart, let me in. Open up your heart let me in Open up your heart let me in Open up your heart Open up your heart
1: Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes. some great worship. <clears throat> Before we uh, move into the next phase of our uh, service, I just want to make a quick uh, announcement. If you uh, need to use the restroom or get a drink water, would you kindly respect us and use the back door to go over into the fellowship hall and do that quietly so that uh, you don't disturb the service? Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to get into some... Praise reports and some prayer requests. So I hope you're ready to uh, praise the Lord tonight because we have our brother Kirk coming up. But before he does come up, I got a quick question for you. What's better than a talking dog? A spelling bee. (laughs) Brother Kirk?
4: Oh, brother, also how we missed you. How we missed you. Everybody rolled their eyes. Where's the drummer now? Wonderful worship. Amen. Amen. I feel like the Lord has transported the church from the yard and went <laughs> right here. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you guys feel that way. Amen. I'm just going to leave that right there. So there was a verse, Galatians 5.1 It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I don't know about you, but I feel a little freer tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you guys know I work with a lot of guys in recovery and uh, the Salvation Army and the Rescue Mission. And I get to see them when they come in in bondage. And then I get to see each phase of their freedom. You know, when they allow the Lord to take over their heart, when they just simply believe and have faith that there's hope and you see the lights come on and there's somebody home and his name's Jesus and it's the most wonderful thing and then you get to hear the stories about how families get restored. And the Lord just puts them together one piece at a time. And that's what he's doing here tonight. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Right, and I learned in the Spanish church Jesus Cristo Teama as far as my Spanish goes. <laughs> but I love the Spanish church on the yard. I'll tell you what, they were free. They didn't let anything hold them back. You know, I don't, I don't know about uh, living in Mexico or some of the other Spanish countries, but uh, all I know, if they know Jesus, they're free. They're free, and, they're, and they have no shame in expressing it. So uh, it was good to have a little taste of that tonight. We need some more of this. So what a wonderful celebration tonight. So we're going to get right into uh, praise reports. And um, who would like to kick us off? Okay, we'll move right into prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you once again for this day. This is the day, Lord, that you have made. And we're here to rejoice and be glad in it. And we thank you, Lord, for the freedom that you've given us. Your word says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So thank you, Lord, for this church that stands for truth. And the truth, Lord is you, Lord Jesus. You are the truth. You are the way. And we just thank you, Lord. Lord, we lift up these prayer requests for healing and for provision and for restoration and reconciliation. Lord, you know and heard each and every prayer, Lord. And also the ones that were not spoken out loud, Lord. You know each and every need and desire in our hearts, Lord. And you're such a good, wonderful provider and healer and deliverer and a savior, Lord and our soon-coming king. So we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for so many that sacrifice uh, week in and week out, Lord, to make this happen. Uh, Thank you for the financial provision, Lord, that you provide for this church, Lord, so that we can continue to help these men as they start their lives over, Lord, and put their families back together. We're just so thankful, Lord. You are a good, good father. And we ask that you bless this service tonight. Bless the message. In Jesus' name.
1: Well, let's prepare to invite our brother Sekou to come break the bread of life for us, so that we can feast on the word of God. Amen. Amen. Brother Sekou. Are you feeling okay?
5: I, I was I was bracing for another joke, and it never happened. You okay? It's interesting to see all the different parts that come together to bring something like today um, into fruition, to bring it to pass. Many different hands, um, many different people doing different parts from the shopping all the way down to the preparing, the people outside over the grill. Um, of course, you know now I, I know how to get Carlos to come to church. Just start the grill. <laughs> Carlos and Luis will be right there. Um, but to see all that come together is—it's—it's it's a great example of the body of Christ. The fact that each and every one of us has a part in the body of Christ, with Christ Jesus as our head. And so, some of us are fingers, some of us are feet, some of us are elbows ears, whatever the case may be, but each and every one of us has an important part to play in this body that Christ has put together through his blood. And it's, a, it's an honor, it's, it's joyous uh, most of the time. Sometimes it can be a little tough, but that's part of it. But the thing is, is that to be part of this is so much more fulfilling than anything else you can find because this is Eternal. This is not something that's fleeting or passing away. This is eternal. We are not only knit together in love with each other, but with several churches, the churches that are around us, the body of Christ all over the world, people that have come before us and people that will be coming after us. However, in saying that, today we celebrated Mexican Independence Day. We honored the culture of Mexican Independence Day. And When I first moved to Arizona, in Minneapolis, there wasn't a large Hispanic, there is now, but there wasn't a large Hispanic culture in Minneapolis. It was largely, you were either Swedish, Norwegian, German, Vietnamese, Hmong, or Laotian. And then, you know, you got your Blacks interdispersed all throughout. Lately, it has become more multicultural. But even then, I never heard of Mexican Independence Day. It was just not something that was brought to my attention. Somewhere around the age of 17, 18, I ended up moving to Arizona. Still never heard of Mexican Independence Day. You know what I heard of? Cinco de Mayo. And I remember going, okay, I know what Kwanzaa is and Christmas and Hanukkah and, and, you know, Boxing Day even. What is Cinco de Mayo? And I never at that point, you know, early 90s, so there's not a lot of internet and stuff like that, And Arizona was kind of segregated back then. So, you know, I didn't get an answer to that question. I just noticed that a lot of people on Mill Avenue who didn't speak any Spanish at all seemed to be celebrating this day at no end. (laughs) And I was confused by that. Cinco de Mayo. It's even in Spanish. And it was celebrated on Mill Avenue. People were getting tore up. Okay. Well, all right. That's weird, but Arizona's weird. Maybe it's the heat. <laughs> Later on, I find out about Mexican Independence Day, which is what the, the, which we're doing today, the celebrating the culture of Mexican Independence Day. There is a sharp contrast between Cinco de Mayo and Mexican Independence Day. Cinco de Mayo is celebrating a, a victory against a French army in 1852. 62, excuse me. uh, uh, Mexican Independence Day is celebrating an 11-year war, but it ironically enough isn't celebrating the end of it, it's celebrating the beginning of it. The call to rebel, that was ironically enough done by a priest to rebel against Spanish authority in order to become their own nation. So for the Mexican and a lot of people surrounding there, because it's not just Mexican, but for Mexican culture and a lot of the surrounding countries, This means the end of Spanish rule. Like we celebrate in the United States, uh, the Spirit of 76, Independence Day. Well, this is their equivalent. Cinco de Mayo celebrates a battle. Mexican Independence Day celebrates an entire war that delivered Mexico into itself. Why do I bring up this contrast? Because the importance of Mexican Independence Day has largely remained Untouched, It is what it is. The importance of Cinco de Mayo has been, uh, for a lot of people, watered down, misappropriated, and taken away from its original culture and then turned into something that is not nearly the same as what it celebrated in its original culture. Well, why is this important to a Christian? Because today we are gonna be talking about who God is. And there is a difference between people who recognize who God is and say, nope, this is my God. You can't rename him. You can't relabel him. You can't put something else on him. He is who he says he is. You can do your best Denny Green impression. (laughs) Some of y'all go that far back. But he is who he said he is. (laughs) I won't do it. But then we battle a culture that wants to reappropriate who God is, and we as a church cannot let that happen. So let's all stand. I didn't even tell you what scripture to go to, and that's fine. Jeremiah, the ninth chapter, Jeremiah chapter nine, and we're only going to be reading two verses. Now, part of this is so that all y'all who ate all that wonderful food um, can work it off. (laughs) and we still have more I haven't even tried the cake and I heard that Roman he tried to come in and uh, he didn't want to come in it's unfortunate so I'm gonna call him Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 through 24 and the Bible reads thus says the Lord let not the wise man glory in his wisdom let not the mighty man glory in his might nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, once again, on this Saturday, as you have blessed us with so many Saturdays, but on this Saturday, we come before you Not just uh, asking for your word, but expecting your word, your spirit to speak to each and every one of us. Lord, let your word flow in us, through us, edify us, encourage us. Let us learn from you today. And let it not only be something that we retain in order for us to grow, but something that we can turn around and be a blessing to others. And also, most importantly, to know who you are and proclaim who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Who God is is extremely important if you're going to call yourself a Christian. If you're going to be a Christian, it's like marrying somebody and not knowing who they are. You don't blind date Mary. That's not a good idea. And many people will come to Christ and they're seeking salvation. They're seeking deliverance. So they get to a point where they realize sin is sin. If I don't find a way to atone for sin, I'm going to hell. However, I can't atone for sin, but there is one who did. Okay, I believe in Jesus. Well, do you accept him as your Lord and Savior? Well, I believe in Jesus. No, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he died for your sins? So to come to Jesus isn't just, okay, I'm safe. It's recognizing him as king. It's recognizing him as master. It is recognizing him as Lord. It's not just saying I am a friend of God, but also recognizing his sovereignty. But in a generation that's around us, that we are immersed in, a crooked and perverse generation, a, 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 a generation devoid of light, We are impacted by our surroundings. And honestly, it's time for us to start impacting our surroundings. Let me say that again. We are heavily impacted, influenced by our surroundings. But now it is time for us to take our place as who we are, the body of Christ, and start impacting and influencing the world around us. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Romans, the first chapter, talks about a world, and and there are many different examples of this. We're only using a few, because believe me, in talking about who God is, we would need like several weeks and many hours, and you guys are already tired from eating so much carne asada and pollo asada, and, and we still got cake, so believe me, I'm mindful of that. But this is just the tip of the iceberg, in reminding us of saying, you know what? I know what the world is trying to say, but I know what his word says. Romans, the first chapter, is a great indication of what the world is saying. For, the, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes can be clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, that is all of us, are without excuse. Next verse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they, where's, where's Parker at? Nor were they what, Parker? Nor were they thankful. But became, y'all don't think I listen, I listen. <laughs> but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Next verse. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now, is this somebody you want telling you who God is? Absolutely not, the answer is no. The answer is no, absolutely not. That would be like somebody who doesn't know football trying to become my coach. It's not gonna work because you and I don't speak the same language and we don't look at what we're in in the same way. But the world has a reason why it wants to take God out of their knowledge. Because men love darkness because their deeds are evil. So they would love to say, let's repackage and reframe who God is so that now instead of having to bow down to his word and his sovereignty and his will, We can just make him our buddy and our friend and then we can do what we want to do, which is completely the opposite. In order to further this on, not only is it that they have to swallow the red pill and go on and believe this lie for themselves, but now they got to get you to try and bite in on it, to get you to give your consent to it, to give you to say, you know what, that's plausible. And so while you say Jesus Christ is the son of God, and believe me, in in the culture that I grew up in, Moorish Temple Muslims, vice lords, um, several different groups, you would talk about Jesus Christ and they say, well, uh, he was a prophet, we'll give him that. He was a man, but calling him the son of God, God walking in the flesh, the only person who walked the earth in hypostatic union, Yeah, we can't go that far. Why? Because if they acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then why are they worshiping what they're worshiping when there is no way to the Father except by Jesus? So in order to protect their fraudulent claim to who God is, they have to try and get the church to buy in on it. They have to try and get the Christian to buy in on it. And unfortunately, we don't like conflict. Yeah. We don't want to hear it. So sometimes we'll just, okay, maybe not us, maybe not you guys. So I'll, I'll you know, I'll put it on Seku. Sometimes we just want to get along, get along. We just want to say, yeah, I, I see that. Instead of saying, no, that is not accurate. When I was a teacher's aide, um, I had this, the boss was a woman Um, not that that's a bad thing, it's just she was a very educated Southern woman, very up there in age, like 70 something. And I don't mean she's old and decrepit. It was the fact that she had seen and heard and gained a lot of wisdom when she walked this earth. But for some reason, she left the Methodist church to become another M, the Mormon. I ignored it for a while, I left it alone. But then she came to me one day cause she knew what I did on the yard. And she says, have you ever considered the Mormon, you know, all the gobbledygook that they do? And I was like, I better be careful cause we are on Spotify and, and they hear this, they might get mad. But anyways, she said, well, have you ever researched it? now?" In doing this for as long as I've done it, I've researched Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Seventh-day Adventism, you name it, parachurches, not churches, regular churches, different denominations, the history of the church had been educated in it. But for the sake of argument, I said, no, not really. So, of course, what's she do? Yeah, she goes right to the office and she comes out. She puts this book on my table, Doctrines and Covenants. She said, well, why don't you read this? I know what people say, but why don't you read this? I never read it. I shouldn't have took it, but I took it, but I never read it. And then I was kicking myself because I'm like, how in the world did I just do the okey-doke and say, no, I'm not going to stand up for who God is. I'm just, you know, yeah, you, you no. Anyways, I didn't read it. She kind of figured I didn't read it. So she decided to up the game. I made a smart comment about the fact um, while we were doing something to set up the church, a few weeks later, I said, Well, the Mormon church doesn't like black people. Ooh, that that struck a nerve. So she went and got another piece of paper. This time a piece of paper, a letter from a bishop that was black, and said, Well, read this. So in the classroom I read it. Now she got me upset. Because the first thing that it said, we believe that the father has flesh and bone. That was within the first two paragraphs. And I went, took it back to her desk. I said, ma'am, I don't need to read any more of this because that is not God. She said, what does you mean? I said, the Bible specifically says God is a And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Does not say that he is flesh and bone like man. And that was the end of it. It was a little testy after that, but that was the end of it. We didn't discuss religion any further. But that goes to show just how much even churches that don't stand on orthodoxy, parachurches, will try to get the church to be disillusioned so that it endorses their fraudulent claim on who Christ is. Do you think that the disciples would have entertained a discussion about Jesus being somebody else other than who he is? No, they would not. And the reason being is because they knew how important it was to recognize Jesus for who he is, recognize the father for who he is, recognize the holy spirit for who he is and not allow satan to try and take away from that through people who do not want to accept the truth they knew how important that was they did not believe in a move called ecumenicalism some of y'all have seen that on a bumper sticker it's it's like whole bunch of weird symbols to spell out a word and the word is ecumenical or something like that it's, it's like the Jewish star and the cross and the, the moon and a whole bunch of other stuff. No, it says coexist. Coexist. And it has all the religions, their symbols, cleverly, cleverly, subtly spelled out. That's a Genesis 3 reference without going to Genesis 3. <laughs> cleverly spelled out to say that we're all the same. No, we are not. And this may make people upset to even say that, but it would only make people upset because we've spent so many years not proclaiming that. We are not the same. We are not the same as Islam. We are not the same as Buddhism. We are not the same as Taoism. We are not the same as Krishna or any other thing that you can come up with. There is no way to the father except by Jesus Christ. And that may upset some people, but that's the truth. Because if we get disillusioned to it, then how do we expect to see the father when we don't even recognize or pay attention to who he is? So for anybody in the world, the most important, uh, uh, the group that should find understanding God to be most important is the church. Because it is our job to proclaim and stand on the fact of who God is. The words version is different because it is the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is inspiration being divine breath. It was breathed into man and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and righteousness that the man of God and the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. In other words, God put this book together through breathing, inspiration, and his spirit into people, many different people, to all write with uh, uh, many different authors writing one book with one message. You can't even get Congress to do that. (laughs) Show me where you can get, let's see, 66 books. I think they were written by 50-something people. Uh, Show me where you can get 50 something people To agree on anything You got 53 people on a football team You got to separate 11 to be offense And 11 to be defense Because they don't see things the same way (laughs) Some of y'all figure that out later on It doesn't work unless God is in it 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 doesn't work unless his hand is moving in it This wouldn't work unless God's hand is moving in it Because we would make a mess of things And we mean well, but we still hurt people, we do goofy things, it's just all over the place. The church is a bunch of people being worked on to perfection, doesn't mean that we are perfect as of yet, but yet through imperfect people being perfected, the spirit of God flows and builds this thing called the church. And through the book that he gave us and his spirit, we should not be ignorant as to who God is because we have everything presented to us to tell us who God is. First and foremost, it tells us about his nature. I could go over so many scriptures about any of these, but I'm just going to summarize. God's nature, number one, is unchanging, which means if he says something, he's going to stay by it. He doesn't go, well, you know, um, I like the bear today, but... mm, no, that beer is just not working for me. You're off the island. That's not how God works. God is not going to go 20 years from now and go, eh, eh, I don't, I'm not feeling this. He is consistent in his nature. He is without shadow of turning, which means for us, if God says yes, then it's yes indeed. If he says no, then he has a reason. But we can rest in him because we don't have to look up and go, I wonder what mood the father's in today. We already know what tips his hat. If we come in here in arrogance and pride, guess what? He's not happy with that. If we come in here in humility and broken and saying, Father, here I am. Send me where you need me to go. He says the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth, looking to see whose heart is towards him so he can show himself strong through them. He looks for people who are looking for him, not running away from him. He had to go chase Adam. Adam, where are you? Where are you? You said, well, he ought to know who Adam is. He didn't know this Adam. That's not the Adam he created, this fallen Adam. That's not the Adam he created. So he had to call that Adam out. The Adam he created would have said, I hear my father and I am going out to meet him. This Adam is not what I created. I didn't create somebody to run from me. How many of y'all, with the exception of Richard, would like a dog that would run away from you? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You, come here, boy, and the dog just goes a complete other direction. What kind of dog is that? We're so much better than dogs. God created us to have a relationship with us, but when we see God and we take off running, that's not what we were created for. So to understand his nature towards us, like Romans says that even uh, uh, that we we may be able to come before the throne boldly, boldly to find grace and mercy in the time of need. You don't need grace unless you're not adding up and you don't need mercy unless you've been messing up. So in other words, when you don't add up and when you've been messing up, It's the perfect time to go before the throne of God and be able to go in there boldly and say, Lord, I should not be able to come in here except by the blood of Jesus Christ, but I am able to come in here because of the blood of Jesus Christ and I need help. Whereas in our nature, when we mess up, we tend to run like Adam did. God says, when you mess up, that's when you need me more. Draw near to me. That's his nature. Is that going to change next week? No. Is that going to change a year from now? No. He is without shadow of turning. That is good for us to know. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we know that we can trust our father. His desires are well written as to what he wants, not only for us, but for creation. And to get familiar with that and recognize that the way that this thing exists, this, this world, this earth, the ball of dirt we live on and the way that we live is not what God intended. And he intends to provide redemption for creation should be something that everybody rejoices about un, un, unless they're not seeking redemption. <laughs> but his desires are well-documented. His works are well-documented from Genesis all the way to Revelation, from the works he's done all the way to what he's preparing to do, well-documented. And it says that his works and his testimony make wise the simple, that we can look at what God has done and go back to the first point, that he is without shadow of turning and change, which means that if he has done it, he will continue to do it until the day of Jesus Christ, which means if he didn't leave you behind in your mess, What makes you think he's going to leave you behind now? What makes you think he's going to leave you behind then? He is constantly at work on the inside of us, and his previous works are a testimony of how great, and just like David said, a lion, a bear, they prepared me to take on the giant. Then all of your experiences, bad and good, are preparing you for the mission that God is calling you for. You say, well, I've had some real bad happen in my life. I don't doubt that, especially if you're here. Because we're all in the same boat, remember? So I don't doubt that. And what I mean is not, well, you stole a cookie and you got a whooping for it. No, I'm talking about near-death experiences, tragic things, things that happened to you you couldn't process when you were younger, evil that happened to you. And when you get older, you end up perpetuating evil because it's what you know. And it's a way of trying to uh, understand it. And some of y'all looking at me like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, let me pause for a second. And, and, and I might get an upset phone call after this. I don't like murder movies. It's crazy to me. It's, it's entertaining to some people. Oh, it's a murder mystery and we get to watch it. And I know, I know, I know. The thing about it is, have you ever asked the question why we are so infatuated with murder mysteries, but we are shocked and horrified by actual murder? Because we can't control actual murder. There's nothing, and I'm not saying this to cause you to live in fear, but there is nothing to stop anybody from running into your house or running into your car or doing whatever and attempting to take your life. There's nothing really. The police can't be everywhere all at once. They're usually last to the scene. So, and uh, we, we don't like admitting that that's uncomfortable, that's fearful. So in order to embrace the randomness of murder, we decide to make it entertainment. That way we can watch it in a safe environment and go, ooh, wow, that's messed up. And then turn around and see a nice little resolution where they catch the bad guy at the end and the show is over and everybody goes home till next week when it's another person dying and we do the whole thing all over again. It's a form of embracing the thing which you fear. (laughs) How many people are not going to watch Murder Mysteries after this? (laughs) There's so many different things, but we watch it to embrace the thing which we fear instead of recognizing that that's not right to begin with. So going back to the things that happened to us in our younger years, We often embrace the thing we don't understand in order to control it. That way, if I can perpetuate it on somebody else, it's getting a little too deep in here. If I can perpetuate it on somebody else, I may not be able to get back at the person who did it to me, but I can sure take what they did, take their evil and control it. And that's not how God works. What man meant for evil, God meant it for good. And so the survivors that are in here, the people that have come through great tragedy and are standing on the other side aren't meant to take that tragedy and repeat it so that they can control it. But to take that tragedy and then stand on it and said, God gave me a testimony and showed himself strong through what he brought me through. So that I can stand and instead of perpetuating, I can now be a form of deliverance to help people find who Christ is and come out of the same darkness that he delivered me from. little too deep. But we know his nature, his desires, his works. And because we know that, we don't try to change that into something we feel we can control. We fear God, which is different than fear. What do you mean by that? Yahweh is the same word used for fear and fear. Reverence and fear. The difference is, do I go to God and say, I respect what you can do, but I know your heart towards me. Or do I run away from God because instead of following his heart, I'm protecting mine. That's the difference. That's the difference. If I fear God, I trust him, but I understand his power. If I fear God from a standpoint of terrified, I respect his power, but I don't trust him that he has uh, my best interest at mind. I have no need to change God. God is trying to change me into what I was originally intended to be. We also have his own words, Exodus 34. Now the Lord, now this is Moses and God. This isn't, you know, a story about it or whatever. This is Moses' experience with God. And God actually proclaims himself, doesn't send another person. He proclaims it himself in front of Moses. The Lord descended in the cloud, stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, this is God talking about himself. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, we focus on the back part of it and says, yeah, he's out to get them. But he started with what he intends to do for, pen, for man. But if man chooses to go down the road, then we got to go down this road. But he intends to show mercy and loving kindness. And this is the Old Testament God. The one that many people around us will say, well, we, we respect New Testament God because he's loving, but that Old Testament God killed Sodom and Gomorrah and killed people over here. It's just about killing. This is him talking to Moses about himself right after he delivered his kept his word and delivered his people out of the bondage of Egypt and started them on the road to getting to the promise that he was going to give. How is that vengeful? How is that vengeful? How is that angry and mean and hateful? His first inclination was to show mercy and kindness and to let them know that. This is God's own word. If we know that He doesn't change, He's without shadow of turning. That means that if He said, if He said it, ooh, I could preach on that. Um, but then we'll we'll be off in a tangent, and nobody'll get, uh, <laughs> nobody'll get the cake. <laughs> but I, I gotta say it. If it <laughs> Zach's messing with me. If in the beginning God said, "Let there be light." and he proclaimed it and light had to be, then if he proclaims that that's who he is, can he even break his word? No, he cannot. So the minute that he said that, that's letting Moses know this is who I am and even I have to keep my word. That's powerful. Because any promise that he's given us is coming from his word towards us This should be a great encouragement that if he gave us a promise, he will perform it. You say, Well, I'm waiting on it. Yeah, well, between the promise and the performance is the what, Travis? Oh, you forgotten one day? Oh, we're going to talk, buddy. Process. Process. Oh, yeah, it was Brian. My apologies, Travis. Go back to sleep. (laughs) He's not asleep. Between the promise and the performance is the process. Sometimes we have to go through some things, but God keeps his word. The only thing that would cause us not to line up with God keeping his word is that we're not there when he performs it. That we take ourselves out of the picture. But if we hold fast and hang on to God, he will perform what he has promised. That should be an encouragement to each and every one of us. We know in this dispensation, God in three persons, we know him as the father, we know him as a son, we know him as a Holy Spirit, and again, sometimes we try to du- dilute who they are so that, you know, we can have latitude to do what we want because God is sovereign, and if he is sovereign, then what he says goes. So if I can somehow relegate the father into being vengeful in the Old Testament, then I don't have to follow the law. If I can relegate Jesus into just being a man and a prophet, and not the son of God coming to the flesh, then guess what? I don't need him for deliverance. If best, I just need him for a safety net. If I can turn around and reinterpret the Holy Spirit or as some people like me, old school, the Holy Ghost as just energy then I don't have to respect him as a person and I can try and use his power without the headship of God. That is the very definition of witchcraft. To try and have the power of God without the headship of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. He has a personality just like Jesus does, just like the Father does, and they are all one. And if we try to reinterpret, reinvent, or take away from who they are, we're not damaging them, we're damaging ourselves. We're robbing ourselves of relationship. We're robbing ourselves of being able to walk hand in hand. There is a scripture that, that bugs me to this day in a good way, in, in Acts, And the disciples are sitting there making a decision and they're like, yeah, we decided to do this and the Holy Spirit agreed. I'm like, I love that. I love that because it's more like a conversation that we're going to do this and the Holy Spirit has agreed with this. Not just, you know, Lord help us. Maybe we heard you, maybe we didn't. It was like the Spirit is there as another person in the room, in the conference with them, helping them to make decisions that would spook some of us to no end. (laughs) I once walked the yard with, uh, with (laughs) it's quite a few brothers, uh, you being one of them. And I remember walking around the yard going, um, 1 Corinthians 14 talks about if they walk into a room and they hear all of you guys speaking in tongues, they'll say you're mad. But if they walk into a room and you guys are prophesying and and the hearts are being, the secrets of hearts are being revealed, They will say, God is surely among you. And I went, wow, how come we don't have that going on in our church? And the spirit said, are you sure you really want that? (laughs) Are you ready for that? Because it, it didn't just say the people who come in. Because if I walk in the door, my secrets could be revealed. If you walk in the door, your secrets could be revealed. But how did we get to a point of living so fearful of that kind of power from God? that we don't want to see that because we don't want to be exposed. Something to think about. Something to think about. Because again, even a Christian can look at it and say, I know who God is, but I want to, I want to pick and choose because some of the things in God can be very terrifying. But if he's doing it so that you can be blessed, so that you can be free, so that you can be delivered, so that you can have a relationship with him and understand and know him, then at some point we get so fed up with flesh and with sin and with all these things going on that we say, Lord, cut it loose, just cut it loose. Just cut it loose. Just get, just take it. Just get rid of it. It doesn't provide me anything. It doesn't bless me. Lord, I need to know you, as, <coughs> excuse me, as a deer, pants for the water so my soul hungers after you. I don't care if there's a lion over there. I don't care if there's an alligator. I won't even try to figure out how it got there. I know I need that water, and I'm going to get through whatever is in my way to get it. I know I need God, and if it means that I have to be, <laughs> be careful with what you say. If I know it means that I'm going to have to have some things cut loose, I'm going to have to trust my God in the middle of the pain. And right now, that's a little too close to home. (laughs) Some of y'all find out about it later. It is also important to know who he is to us. It's one thing to say that God is all powerful and up in heaven doing what he's doing and we're just down here trying to make our way. But God desires a relationship with us, not just I am God, hear me roar, but to have a relationship, to be able to show you who he is and then to be able to walk so he can show you who you are. Oftentimes in prayer, we go to him with who we are in the moment and what we got going on in the moment, but that is not the totality of who we are. And he wants to communicate with us and say, let me tell you, Blake, who you actually are. Let me tell you, Anthony, who you actually are. Oh, I got this problem. I'm a mess. I got this. I got that. That's what you see. How many of us have ever walked into our prayer closet, got down and said, Lord, show me me as you see me. Show me me as you see me because you might be pleasantly surprised at how much God wants to deliver you from stuff that you hold on to that you think is benefiting you and God says, all that is doing is robbing you of the agency that I have created you to be. I've created you to be much more than this. This, huh? New name, new name. I mean, I kind of like Sekou. Now, I didn't like Sekou during elementary school because kids are mean, but <laughs> <laughs> I've been calling. All... I got a book with people from the church that have called me Sekou, what is it? Sekou's event, Melchizedekou, all these other different. <laughs> Kouferigno, thank you, Amon, for that one. But I, I, they were doing it in—they <laughs> were doing it in love. Kids don't know how to love, so they were just. You know, I was called, say, "cool," coo, uh, "psycho," and "sicko," and all sorts of other things as a kid. It's it just me. But the fact that there's a name for me that further identifies me more so than the name that was given to me in my fleshly walk—that is huge. He is to us our Creator. We were made not just by some blueprint that God says, oh, this is a good idea. I'm going to make man. We were made in his image and likeness. He is our redeemer. The fact that the creation fell, he didn't just leave it to its own devices. He says, "No, I got a plan for that so I can bring you back to me. He is our father, not just our God. Do you, I am so meddling today. It's been a weird week. But do you realize if. uh, How many of y'all have ever been married or are married? Now, imagine if you introduce your wife all the time as this is the wife. Meet wife. This is wife. Say hi to wife. That's wife. Wife is real good taking care of all the stuff she's doing. That's wife. Wife is awesome. Wife has a name. husband has a name. People have names. God has a name, several names. You can say God and it means something, but when you start getting in the territory of saying Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shammah, When you start going even further to say Yeshua HaMashiach or the Lord Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ. When you start lifting up his name, you are lifting up a name that is above every name. Name of cancer, name of illness, name of sin, name of sinful desires, name of problems, whatever it is. The name of Jesus Christ is over all of that.
2: Start
5: getting personal with it. You don't go and say, in the name of the most high God, I'm going to say, you know, come off of him. No, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know who that is. I know who that is. We all know who that is. Bow down. <laughs> you don't think names are important? Uh, go to Acts. This is off topic, but go to Acts and look at the story where the guy says, I I, I cast you out in the, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And that demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? And then he got leapt on and beat up and all sorts of stuff happened. This ain't an indifferent thing. This is a personal thing. If he calls you by name and he has a new name for you, why don't we use his name when we are walking the earth and doing the things that he has called us to do? Hebrews 11, verse 6. Y'all got me way off. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's not a suggestion. That's a prerequisite. Did I use that word correctly? Thank you. I got two word, three words missing here. One's hiding over there and I got two up here. So they, they let me know. It is a prerequisite. You can't come to God wondering if he is. Where's also at? Cover your ears, also. Cover your
2: ears.
5: (laughs) 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 Have you ever heard of the agnostic, dyslexic, insomniac? Stays up all night wondering if there's a dog. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how God. (laughs) That's not how God called us to be. Just like if you call wife, you know she's there. You believe she's there. You're not calling her for no reason whatsoever. You're calling because you're expecting somebody to pick up on the other end of the phone. When you go to God in prayer, do you believe that he's listening? Or do you just kind of hope that he's listening? Maybe he's busy. No, no. We must believe that he is. Number one, number two, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not just half-hearted, pick up the Bible once a you know, month or whatever. Uh, woo we meddling. We need to get to that cake because y'all might run me out of here. Diligently. Some of us will diligently seek a next high, but more so than we diligently seek God. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, we diligently seek that cup of coffee first thing in the morning before diligently seeking him in prayer and saying, good morning, Lord. Here I am. There you are. What do you have for me today? Then I will go get the coffee. Some of y'all thought I was talking about other addictions. Well, that's in there too. But all of it's common. Are we putting something before our relationship with God? Or are we saying that everything else needs to find its place? I need to find him first. I need to get reestablished with him first. I need to see him, then I will talk to you. Diligently seek him. To lift up every nook, every cranny, turn over every leaf and say, okay, God, I'm looking for you, I'm looking for you. Do you, uh, uh, somebody earlier today was talking about draw, uh, running away from Satan and drawing near unto God. Well, what does that Bible say? Draw near unto God and he will. So if, he, if you are diligently seeking him, guess what he's doing? Mm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. You say, well, he knows where I'm at. Yeah, he knows where you're at. But he's also diligently seeking where you should be. He's also diligently seeking out all the things of what he called you to do and saying, let me put them in place so you can stand as a person I called you to stand as. He's not just seeking where you're at in that moment. He knows where you're at in that moment. But he's seeking where you need to be and what fulfills you and what it takes for you to become the person that he has called you to be. First Peter, chapter two, verse nine and ten. <laughs> But you, this is who we are to him. But you, you all, if you're from the South, y'all, y- y'all, y'all, y'all. usins. <laughs> if you're from Chicago or New York, use, guys. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. If we would start admitting and confirming that instead of admitting that we're stupid or ugly or dumb or lazy or incompetent or any other thing that is going on that tries to proclaim a title over us and start saying, you may say that I am this, but my father has said I'm a chosen generation. You may have said that I'm an outcast, but he says that I'm a royal priesthood. Y'all may have said... that I am cast out of this nation, but he says he created us a holy nation, a special people. Instead of waking up accepting what man has said, turn around and accept what God has said. This is who we are to him. Not just some name, some random person, but a chosen, not we you know, oh wow, I fell into the kingdom. <laughs> he said give me Blake give me Anthony give me Dennis give me Zach yeah you too you're chosen you come on all of us know what what it's like to be you know they pick the team and they leave you on the sideline God says I want him too I want him too a chosen generation chosen that's who we are to him And guess what? He is not changing his mind on what he created us to be. You say, well, why is all this important when it comes to knowing God? It's a reminder. Number one, that we as Christians need to hold fast to what we know and who we know God to be and not to let the world, the flesh, or the devil attempt to take it away from us to confuse it or to dilute it so that we can stand strong even in the midst of trial and temptation and say, I know who my father is. When he comes and says, cast yourself off of this or go do that, it is written, it is written, it is written, end of discussion. If I'm gonna plead my case, it's not to the devil, it's to the father. We as the church should not practice compromising on the truth of who God is, no matter who it is no matter who it is. Well, it's the president of the United States. He's a man, I think. Um, Sometimes I wonder if he's a robot, but I wonder if most politicians are robots or pod people. That's mean. When you give up your personality and who you are, let me shut up. (laughs) Because that's, to be a politician, not all of them, we know a few that are actually you know, trying to make a change, but most politicians will compromise their character so that they can get recognition. We are not into compromising who God is so that he's more welcome in other societies. And by the same token, you should not be compromising who you are so that people feel like they can get along with you. No, you are a blood-bought son and daughter of the king. You know who the king is and he knows who you are and that relationship shouldn't be compromised for anybody. Praise God. So we believe, we understand, we know who God is and we live it out in our daily lives. This is a reminder for each and every one of us. As I get ready to close, let me bring up or go back to Moses' story. First Peter, chap, where are we at. Er, First Peter, chapter five, verse six and seven. "Therefore humble yourselves, knowing who God is and knowing who you are. Same book even. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all all your care upon him, for He cares for you that we say, you know what, Lord, I know you're working on something, so I'm just going to humble myself under your hand. But that's not the end of the story. I, I, you can, I'll close it. I'll paraphrase it. Because <laughs> I know all of you guys, well, this is good, but tres leches. <laughs> let, me, let me shed some light on this scripture before we dismiss. Humble yourself under the hand of the most high God and he will exalt you in due time. Now, earlier in this message, we just read what God proclaimed himself to be to Moses. But just before that, Moses had a heartfelt plea. Lord, if your presence is not with us, then don't send us. We want to go with you. And God says, I will do that. You have found grace in my sight. Moses eventually said, show me your glory. And God said, what? I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock. And I'm going to do what? I'm going to cover you with my hand. Till I pass by. And you will get a revelation of who I am. Just like for each and every one of us. To know God is to know that if he puts us in a place where he says, just sit tight. I got you covered. We say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to sit down here. Watch your glory pass by and get to know you just that much more. Because when God lifted his hand, not only did he give Moses a revelation, but when Moses came off the mountain, not because he held the tablets, but because he had seen God, he came off the mountain with his face glowing and the people around him knew that he had been in the presence of God. So much that they couldn't, they had to respect it, but it terrified them. But they couldn't deny that here is somebody who's been in the presence of God and now he's come back to deliver what God has for each and every one of us. All because Moses stood under God's hand until God walked by and then released him and exalted him so that he could show the people what his will was. When God has you in a position of humility, he says, sit tight, son, sit tight, daughter, Just get to know me in this moment. You may not like where you're at. It may seem dark. It may seem like everything's out against you. But now in this moment, get connected with me. Understand me. Understand what I have for you. And when I release my hand and exalt you in due time, and send you to wherever it is that I send you you will go with a glow and an anointing that people say I know what your past is but your past is overshadowed by what is on you and we know that you are a messenger come from God it's nothing to do with your accolades your name your reputation your intellect because just like we read in Jeremiah that's not what God is looking for he's looking for somebody who wants to know Him, to know Him. Not just have an acquaintance, but to know Him and have a relationship with Him. And out of that relationship, not only do you glorify God, but as He sends you out, you give Him glory because people know that you have spent time with God and that what you have to say has nothing to do with your ability, but everything to do with His grace. You know who's not exempt from that? Everybody in this room, everybody in this room, everybody who's listening to this broadcast on whatever it is that you're listening to it on, you're not exempt from that because God doesn't change. His plan is the same for whosoever will. Let's pray. Father, help us to know you. I can't even say any more than that. Help us to know you. Help us to understand you more and help us to know us in you so that we don't listen to the lies of the world, the lies of the flesh, the lies of the adversary, but we listen to the truth of what you have said, proclaim the truth of what you have said, stand in the truth of what you have said, and watch as you bring your promise to pass. Father, help us to stand in confidence, trusting you knowing you and being able to then go out and show the generation that you have placed us in who exactly the mighty Father is, who exactly the Lord Jesus Christ is, who exactly the Holy Spirit is, who baptizes us into the church, puts us all together as one body and then brings us into relationship with you. Lord, let us not be ignorant in our understanding of you, but let us diligently seek you and trust in your word that you reward those who diligently seek you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you all stand? Week after week, when I have the opportunity, I'm not the only one, but when I have the opportunity to be able to preach, um, And some of the guys who come up here and preach have learned the very same thing. That oftentimes when we're preaching, we're not preaching at you. We're preaching what we are given to preach. But oftentimes the first person that needs to hear it is the person who's saying it. And I say that to say that this isn't theory that I'm talking about. These are real challenges, including me, that are looking at to say, okay, what Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I know you. And this isn't a simplistic thing either. This is quality and way of life. This is direction. This is what we do in life. This isn't just a, should I get a Snickers or should I get a whatchamacallit? If you have to pray to figure out if you're gonna get a Snickers or a whatchamacallit, that's either over-dedication or that's just, maybe you should not need it. No, this is our life. The Bible says in him we live and breathe and have our being. That means that everything that we are, everything that we do, and everything that makes us who uh, we are is tied up in Jesus Christ. How can we not take the time to get to know him and the Father and the Holy Spirit even more so? So as I'm reminding you i'm also reminding myself you may think that you're in a time where god's that that you're forsaken or ignored or you're not moving like you think you should or whatever's happening stay under god's hand stay under god's hand and watch as he goes by what he has for you when he releases you into what he has called you to do would you all lift your hands for the benediction Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. And God bless you.